Thanks for joining our online campus today for another sermon from the series Build, where we're looking at Ezra and Nehemiah, how God used the Jewish people to rebuild his temple and the priority that rebuilding the temple took place during this time. And so we want to encourage you to jump in with us as we're looking into Evangel and how we can build the church itself through the different things that we are doing currently with the Build series. And if God has touched your heart through this message and this sermon series, send us an email at connect.etag.tv. Or if you'd like to faithfully support this ministry so that many people around the world can hear sermons just like these, you can do so by going to etag.tv and clicking on the give link there. Now get you ready to prepare your heart for another incredible message from Pastor Gary on the sermon series, Build. stand everyone stand aren't you thankful that he is our shield he is our defender hear ye the word of the Lord and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth I want everybody to slip up your hands and claim these blessings. Verse 2, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and thy flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt be thou when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and shall flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. Somebody say amen. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto, he shall bless thee, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now stretch your hands towards these offerings. Brothers and sisters, let's lift them to the Lord. And Father, we do dedicate these offerings. They are consecrated as unto the Lord. You said in Leviticus 27 that the tithing is holy unto the Lord. And we honor you this morning. In our obedience, we bring a sacrifice. And Lord, we bring it to the house of the Lord and we dedicate it for the furtherance of the gospel that men might know Christ. That Lord, this house will be full of bread to feed the hungry. God, to bestow upon those that are without, Lord, and to bless this city and the nation and the places where you give us opportunity, O oh God. Father, we pray that the gospel will go forth from Evangel Temple in powerful ways that even today we may not know of. But Lord, you're doing a mighty thing among us. And so we dedicate these offerings and consecrate them for the work wherein they have been intended. In the name of Jesus, now we pronounce your word over your people. As in obedience, they've brought these offerings. 
And we declare your word to be true in every heart and every life. And everyone said amen. God bless you. Remain standing as we continue to worship through this song. Amen. Nothing but the blood of
everybody in this room, I want you to slip up holy hands. He is worthy of all praise on this Resurrection Sunday. He is worthy as mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, as Deliverer. I asked a group of men yesterday at our men's breakfast how many men in that room had been delivered from different kinds of bondages, addictions, and things in their lives. And I was astounded how many. How many will raise a hand on this Easter Sunday morning and say, God has brought deliverance and freedom from some kind of chain in my life? Come on, let's give him some praise, I tell you. Amen. We're free in Christ. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, free indeed. Amen. I want everyone standing for the reading of the scriptures. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. While you're looking at Matthew 16, we are in a sermon series for five Sundays, and I've asked everyone to be present for five continuous Sundays. This is week three. The next two Sundays are vitally important. Uh, I want you here, if at all possible, make every attempt to not miss the sermon series these last two weeks. I'm telling you what God has for us next Sunday is powerful. And then as mentioned, the Sunday night series that begins next Sunday night uh, on uh, the questions that people ask you about your Christian faith. It's going to be a, a powerful series. But turning to Matthew 16, I'm going to rehearse while you're holding Matthew 16 from Ezra chapter 1, our foundation text. God stirs up a heathen emperor. His name was Cyrus. He was the emperor over the Medes and the Persians. They overthrew Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And they established the kingdom, which was a vast kingdom of the Medes and Persians. And Cyrus was the emperor, the king. And he was a heathen king. But God used the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah to get to him. And when he heard the word of the Lord, it stirred him up concerning the temple that had been destroyed in Jerusalem. Now, he's over in, in the, the area of, the, of, of Babylon and God's stirring him up to send people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And three times in the first five verses of chapter 1, he says that God has commissioned me, and I proclaim that men will go back and build. And he uses that word, build, three times in the first five verses because it was God's will. And God was using even an unrighteous heathen king to accomplish the work of God. You just never know how God's going to work. Amen. And he uses an emperor to send the Jews back to their homeland to finance the rebuilding of the temple. Now I want you to look at what Jesus is saying. Because he uses that same word, and this word captivates me in the scripture because there's something so powerful that I believe God wants us to explore on this Easter Sunday morning. Verse 17 of Matthew 16, Jesus answered and said unto Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. There are some things only the Holy Ghost is going to be able to reveal to you. You will not catch it in the natural realm, but it's going to be spirit-led, and you're going to see some unseen things. 
And he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build, everybody say build. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then in verse 19, he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom and says, Whatsoever ye bind on earth shall be bound, and whatsoever ye loose on earth shall be loosed. I believe we ought to take the words of Jesus seriously. I'm going to just have to come down there and say amen to myself on Easter Sunday morning. When Jesus says something, you need to take it at face value. This is not just verbiage, but what he says here is we've been given the keys to the kingdom. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You may be seated. The scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, clearly reveal the heart of God to build the church. I tell you, this is good. God wanted a house where he could meet with his people. Yes. He established feasts. And these feasts, as we've been studying from the scriptures over the last few weeks, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for feast was moed, M-O-E-D. And it literally meant God's appointments. God established feasts so that he could meet with man, so that man certain times of the year would pull aside. And what we're doing here today is actually in honor of the feast. The feast of the Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of the first fruits. All three of those feasts come together at, at this time frame. And they literally meant God's appointment with man. Do you know that these are not just Jewish feasts, but rather, as Exodus chapter 12 points out, concerning the very first Passover, it was the Lord's Passover. It was not just the Jewish Passover, it was the Lord's Passover. And God was saying to all of mankind, there are appointments, there are times that I want to meet with you. And then he begins to commission not only times of appointment, but I want you to watch this. He commissions places where he will meet with them. Houses of worship. In the Old Testament, the first house of worship was a portable tabernacle uh, that was built. And, and that portable tabernacle served during the wilderness wandering. And then they built Solomon's ornate temple. It was one of the wonders of the world. And it was beautiful, but it was a place where God came down and God met with his people. And then we have the destruction of that temple and the rebuilding of the temple uh, by what is being commissioned by Cyrus. And then the rebeautification of that temple by Herod. And then the final destruction in A.D. 70 of that temple. And that temple is, once again, there is a temple going to be rebuilt. I'm telling you, in prophecy, it is going to take place. Why? Because God wants a place to meet with man. So much so that you see this, you see the heathen emperor decreeing the rebuilding of the temple. You see Jesus declaring, I'm going to build my church. I'm telling you, God has a people and he wants to have a place where he can meet with his people. Now Jesus' mission revolved clearly around two main pillars of faith and two main objectives. Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save the lost. Everybody say amen. Because we've been the recipients of that part of his objective. And if you don't know Jesus, 
If Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, in a few minutes I'm going to give an altar call and give an opportunity for you to respond and accept Christ and receive him into your life. And I can tell you, he'll make you a different person. Amen. He'll make a new creation out of you. But Jesus came for a twofold purpose. He came to seek and save the lost, and he came to establish and build the church. And it's very important that you understand the objective and the mission of Jesus, uh, that the mission was very clear and that we need to tie ourselves as the church living today to the very two principles, the major objectives that Jesus revealed. His whole life, his whole ministry, his redemptive work was about souls and about building his church. There's a lot of good organizations, a lot of good causes out there that you can be a part of, that you can support. But friends, you need to be tied very clearly to what the Savior of your faith, uh, the Christ of Christianity is all about. He's about souls and he's about his church. Somebody say amen. amen. And when he left to go back to heaven, he had set up the church so that the church would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the church would be endued by the Holy Spirit to carry on the mission and the work of Christ in the world. That's why on this Easter Sunday morning, I can clearly declare to you, I believe in Jesus. Somebody say amen. I can clearly say to you on this Easter Sunday morning that I believe in heaven. I believe in his church. Amen. The greatest success in life and the most fulfillment in a Christian walk is when you are helping Jesus do what he has clearly stated is his passion and his objective. And that's build the church and see souls come into the church. Amen? And to those through the years and centuries who have attacked the church, down through centuries, I can tell you, friends, you can read the epitaph of those who have tried to destroy the church. You read the epitaph of those who destroyed the temples in the Old Testament and you read what happened. I'm telling you, it is, a, it is not a good thing to fight the Lord's church, amen? Because Jesus actually stated the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He said, I'm going to build my church. In the last days, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, I want to remind you to stay closer to the church than you've ever uh, done before because there's a lot of things that are happening in our world, a lot of signposts that are reminding us we are living in the last days. This past Monday night was the first blood moon of four blood moons. And right now we're going to show you a picture that was taken by one of the members of this congregation. Many of you witnessed this and saw this late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. I got up at 2 o'clock and went outside, and, and uh, it was so overcast. I said, Lord, you're going to have to break these clouds up because it, uh, it was supposed to be visible at 3.30. And then about 3.30, uh, we were able to witness the blood moon, the first of four blood moons in a row. This is a sign in the heavens, friends, and this was taken by Steve Meadows, one of our members. It was a very beautiful picture of the blood moon this past that was viewable from Jackson, viewable uh, from many places. But it, this was taken from right here in Jacksonville. But there are other signals. And God said in Genesis that he would put signs in the heavens. He would put signals in the heavens to let men know that time was drawing near, that something important is taking place. Many Christian leaders around the world have said this is the most important Passover season of our lifetime because it unveils the start of four 
blood moons that will take place in a row. All on feast days, and this being the first that happened this week. It's not coincidental. As you know, when we studied this last month, you see that God has marked human history. And every time, every time that there has been a series of four blood moons in a row, something significant has taken place in our world. And I don't want to go back over that because you can go online and watch the, uh, the, the recent sermons on that. But this is a series of four blood moons in a row that will take place over the next 18 months. And God is marking the heavens saying, look up, lift up your eyes, know that something is happening. God said, I will put signals in the heaven. He actually said... I want you to note... Three times, three days in a row, there has been a ring around the sun. Now, this was reported in Orlando, in the Orlando Sentinel. But it was hard to keep looking at it because it was so bright. So I took my camera and just held it where it tried to get a picture. But the Orlando, if you'll go to the Orlando Sentinel site, you'll see where they photographed this and people all over saw this. But three days in a row, God was marking the sun, telling the Gentiles, as, as, as we've learned from the teaching, the sun representing God dealing with the Gentiles, that God's trying to get our attention. I told you recently, last Sunday morning, that you need to be watching the earthquakes that are happening in our world. Do you know that in the last 30 days, listen to me closely, everyone online listen, in the last 30 days there have been 26 major earthquakes and by major and severe they use the definition of a 6.0 or greater on the Richter scale. If you Google how many have taken place at 4.0, you, you just can't believe how many earthquakes 4.0 to 6.0, but the severe and major from 6.0 and above, I'm telling you, in the last two, there have been, two days there have been severe earthquakes. But in the last 30 days, 26 severe earthquakes. God is saying through his word, and Jesus said that in the last days, God would mark the heavens, he would mark the earth. There would be signs, there would be signals reminding us that the return of the Lord is at hand. You need to listen to this preacher on this Easter Sunday morning and know that the church is not here by coincidence. The church is not here by happenstance. There is a reason for our being, and God has called the church to be salt and light and to let a world know that Jesus loves them, that he died on a cross for them, and he was raised because he loves them. His return is getting closer and God is marking. He is signaling the heavens. He is declaring to mankind to lift up your eyes and to know that redemption is getting closer than ever before. Point number one, we see how that hell attacked the founder of the church. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 26. Sometimes you have to see the unseen. Sometimes your, your eye of faith will reveal to you hidden things that your natural eye does not see. We are spirit beings as well as natural beings. And when you're walking in the spirit, the spirit will reveal things to you that your natural eye is not even perceiving. And so we see hell's attack because Jesus said he, he came to establish the church, to build the church, and that hell would not prevail. And so hell threatens that testimony. 
In Matthew 26, beginning with verse 47 through 49, Judas, one of the twelve, betrays Jesus. In 2670, Peter denies Jesus. In 27 verse 2, we see that they bound him, they led him away. In chapter 27 verse 28 and 29, they stripped him, they put a scarlet robe on his, on his, on his body, and then they put a reed, which was mockery. They put a reed in his hand and a crown of thorns on his head. As I was writing that, I was reminded of Revelation 19 when he comes back. He's not going to have a little reed in his hand. The Bible says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. He's coming back with a sword in his hand. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Amen. In Matthew 27 verse 35 it says they crucified him. In verse 45 it says there was darkness upon the face of the earth from noon until 3 p.m. In verse 50, when he cried with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost and said, it is finished. I want to tell you, one of the ladies of the church came to me and her little uh, grandson, five years old, came up to her and said, Mommy, I don't like that crucifixion scene in that production Friday night. And she said, why? And she said, well, Jesus declared it is finished. And we shouldn't be doing that over and over again because it was finished one time. I thought that was pretty good for a five-year-old. Amen. But she referred him and told him, said, well, we do it to show the world and to show people that it really did happen. It really did take place. Amen. And so when he cried with a loud voice, verse 50, he yielded up the ghost. That meant at that moment his soul and spirit departed his body. In verse 57, you have the description of the tomb. That tomb would be a foundation stone. That tomb would be a cornerstone. It would be a marker for all of human history, a future that the church was built upon a solid foundation, a foundation of a tomb, but not just any tomb. It would be an empty tomb in a few days. Amen. Hell attacked the founder of the church. But friends, you've always got to see the unseen. You've always got to see behind uh, what may be in front of your, your natural eyes. So many times there are things that the devil uh, clouds us. I, I like what Nathan said in our Sunday school class this morning. Because Friday happens to a lot of us. There's a lot of trials and tribulations in this life. And Friday does come. But friends, hold on. Sunday's on its way. Amen. There is a real devil and he did come to attack the church. But go to Matthew 28, verse 1. We see the victory. Matthew 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, I like this. As the Sabbath gave way to Sunday, death gave way to life. The old covenant was fulfilled and now the new covenant was put in place. And it says in verse 2, look at this. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. God caused an angel to roll away the stone so that men could see in. I'm telling you, men didn't, uh, uh, did not need to let Jesus out because his soul and spirit was already victorious over death and hell and the grave. When the stone was there... We need to look behind what was happening. You need to see the unseen. 
Because what was going on while Jesus was, his body was in that tomb, his soul and spirit descended into the lower parts of the earth. And the Bible says there he preached to the captives. Before the resurrection, when a righteous man died, he went to Abraham's bosom. At the point of the resurrection, when Jesus arose and he ascended up on high, he led the captives from Abraham's bosom and moved Abraham's bosom from below the earth into the presence of God in heaven. And so Jesus was preaching to the captives in Abraham's bosom during that time that his body was in the grave. You've got to see the unseen. Sometimes we only look at the natural. We see the death of Jesus. We see the body laid in the tomb. But friends, there was still victory going on. There was things happening in an unseen world that we didn't perceive. I want to tell you, you've come in here on an Easter Sunday morning and maybe you've been walking through some trials and some tough times. You need to know that with God on your side, uh, greater are those th days that lie ahead of you than those former days because you're going to allow God to bring victory in your life. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Look at verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. I like what this says. As he said. We need to take the words of Jesus verbatim. We need to take the words of Jesus for what they mean. I'm telling you. When he says, because I live, you shall live also, you ought to take that to heart. When he, when he gives the keys of the kingdom and says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, you ought to believe that. The angel said, he is risen as he said. He had been teaching and telling them he was going to rise again on the third day. But they could not see the unseen. So many times the devil keeps us in this natural plane and we're only looking at the natural realm. I want to tell you, on this Easter Sunday morning, you need to see the unseen. You need to see what's behind the facade, what, what the devil has blocked from your attention. You need to know that Jesus is Lord and that God is greater than your problems and difficulties. Come see the unseen. And the tomb was exposed there so that men could see in. And verse 7, it says, go quickly and tell my disciples that he is risen I'm telling you the church is built today on a solid foot a solid foundation on a tomb but it's an empty tomb it is a rock of our of our Christian experience Paul said if Jesus be not risen from the dead our faith is in vain so all of our Christian experience is found it is based on this on the on the theology and on the importance of the resurrection that because he lives, friends, he became the first fruits of the resurrection. And what separates Christianity from every other religion of the world is the fact that there's an empty tomb. Amen? And the church is built upon that foundation. If you can't get excited about that, your exciter is broken. Amen? Well, I want to talk to you about that important word that Jesus used. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm here to declare that Cyrus was stirred up to build. Cyrus was stirred up to rebuild the temple and the, the church is anchored into the foundation stone, the rock, uh, the, the empty tomb. But we've been called to build. We've been called to be a part of a generation that the, the Lord's coming back for a victorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle 
or any such thing. A church that is going to be victorious, a church that is not going under. Jesus said, my church is going to be successful. I will build. Everybody say build. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have been given a clear vision as Evangel Temple Church family. The Bible says that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra and upon Nehemiah. It says that the Spirit stirred up Cyrus and the Spirit stirred up the people. In fact, Nehemiah 4 says that the people had a mind to work and they gave and they used their talents and their resources for the building of the church. I'm thankful to many who down through the years have have been a part of the building of the church. And, and I want to applaud all of those that, because we're in a beautiful sanctuary today. There were people that had a vision to build the Lord's church and God honored that. And I want you to give them a, a, an applause right now because we sit here the recipients of a lot of wonderful things. But Evangel Temple is called to reach souls and to make a difference in lives. I want every person in this sanctuary that's 30 years of age or under, I want you to stand right now. Wow. Now you can't, down here you can't see the balcony, but I want to give all these youth and young adults a great hand. My, hundreds, hundreds. Remain standing. The last three weeks, Three week, two weeks ago today, I spotlighted the nurseries, and we brought the babies in right during my sermon. Last Sunday, we brought the children in from the children's church up through grade five. And today is the young people and the youth of our church. Next week, we're going to look at the adults. But I'm thankful for a generational church. You know, what would it be like to only be in a church where there was only young people or only old people? A true church has got to have people of all age groups, amen, amen. of all walks of life. I, I want to look like what heaven looks like. You may be seated, but we're a generational church. We're a church that reaches out to people and makes a difference in lost souls and lost lives. We have a video right now that we're going to share of, uh, of how the gospel changed one of the ladies in our church and Jesus uh, made a radical difference in her life. And I'm telling you, people all over this room could say amen because he's made a radical difference in your life. Hi, my name is Kathleen McDaniel, and uh, I have been... Hi, my name is Kathleen McDaniel, and uh, I have been a member, my husband and I have been a member of Evangel Temple um, for about five years now. On June 4, 2006, I was um, been arrested, and um, I had a profound spiritual experience in a jail cell, and uh, right then and there, I went from not believing to believing, and I surrendered my life. And within the first year after my surrender, um, he called me back to the very dark place that I used to frequent. He called me to uh, share his message of freedom and hope to these women that are victims of human trafficking, prostitution, drug addiction, and alcoholism. So in 2007, Grace Ministry of Helping Hands was birthed, and uh, we became a nonprofit in 2010. So I made this appointment with Pastor Gary and his wife, Kim. And um, I shared uh, about Grace Ministry, and without hesitation, they agreed, and they've been supporting Grace Ministry for, I think it's about three years now, um, monthly support. And uh, that's why we can continue um, 
to do the work that we do through uh, financial supporters like Evangel Temple. So um, there were Sundays where my car was packed to the max with women and um, eventually um, it was brought to my attention about a van here at a city rescue mission and uh, Pastor Bill Marshall arranged it to where um, he had someone, an individual, that could uh, begin to uh, pick up the girls at Evangel Temple in the van. So, um, you know, it started with that me picking up that one girl, and it has grown. And uh, I think two Sundays ago, there was 11 women from City Rescue Mission that were picked up by uh, one of the interns here. I think her name's Rebecca in the van, and um, out of the 11 women, two of those women gave their life to Christ that Sunday. All I can say is outreach is working, and um, you know, souls are being saved, and uh, it's just such a blessing to be in a church like Evangel Temple, to where they believe in the mission of uh, going out to uh, and sharing the message to save the lost. I've been praying about the Arise campaign. I have a little commitment card actually on my dashboard in my car, so everywhere I go, if I'm at a red light or whatnot, I know to lift up the different areas of Arise. And I love the fact that it's um, not just one area, it's many areas coming together. And um, I just believe in the vision of this church. Um, I just know that um, it comes directly from the Word of God and uh, this Arise campaign would sow it into our younger generation because our younger generation is what's going to set the vision um, and the call for, um, you know, for the future. Everybody give her a hand, amen. God bless you. Friends, it's our turn. It's our turn to arise and build. The commission just doesn't hold effect for Cyrus and that history setting. It doesn't just hold fact for the first century when Jesus, but the church today has to do something. We have to believe that God's called us to the kingdom for this hour to make a difference in our generation. I want the worship team to come back. And I want my wife to join me and we're gonna close in just a moment. But I believe that the Arise vision is going to affect the destiny of many lives and many souls for the kingdom of God. It is about souls. It is about people coming to know Christ. It's about changed lives. It's about people having their lives impacted by the gospel. And all across this room are people and watching right now on live stream, television ministry, are people that your lives have been changed because of the gospel being preached and the word of God being declared. I want everybody to stand because I want to challenge you. And if you can wait for just a moment, two weeks from today is Commitment Sunday. And we are asking every person in this church to make a commitment for the next 24 months above the Lord's tithe and your free will giving to be a part of the Arise vision. I can tell you wholeheartedly we believe in this vision and we believe many souls will be saved because of this vision. It is going to impact our city. It's going to impact your family. It is going to touch your family. And it's going to touch many beyond. But two weeks from today, we're going to give every person an opportunity to be a part of the Arise Vision at whatever level. And we want you to be praying because we want this to be a sacred thing, a worship thing between you and God where God speaks to you. But I want to challenge you to take a step of faith. I believe that as you take a step of faith, God is waiting to release miracles in your life. And many need miracles in their life. 
in different realms. And God is always looking for steps of faith, and that moves his hand. And if you put God's name on the line, friends, he'll always show up. I'm telling you, he will always show up. Your breakthrough is very possibly linked to your step of faith. Because it was faith that always activated the hand of God in people's behalf. Whether it was a physical need or a monetary need or whatever, it is a step of faith that activates heaven. And I want to challenge you on, on May 4th, don't do what only your mind thinks. My wife and I, we've sat down and we've talked about this, and we are taking a leap of faith, something so far beyond anything we've ever, we can't even do this. But we're going to write it on the card, and God's going to have to show up big time to cause it to happen. He's going to have to cause miracles to flow through our lives. But I'm telling you, there are, there are already so many people that would say amen and would raise their hand. They've already had increases in salary, change of jobs, unexpected jobs being given to them. All across unexpected. One family greeted me last Sunday coming in here, said, Pastor, we cannot believe it. Something happened to us completely out of the blue. We never even had any knowledge that this would take place. And God just dropped this in. I'm telling you, when you take a step of faith with God, he'll meet you. He's just waiting for people to activate his hand in their behalf. And two weeks from today, we're going to give you an opportunity to take a step of faith with us. That's Commitment Sunday. And we'll just put a card in your hand and you'll just pass it in. And we're going to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. But it's also First Fruit Sunday. Technically, today is First Fruit Sunday. If you're... In the word because Jesus was the first fruits and it is a first fruits Sunday because he became the first fruits of the resurrection and how many have hope in the resurrection amen well in many different settings today churches are taking first fruits offering we've delayed ours for two weeks because we want you to give a first fruits offering we have no money to start these two buildings but they need to start immediately and that's going to be based on that first fruits offering that day, not in addition to the 24-month commitment, but as a part of, as a part of. And we want you to take a step of faith, and we're believing God for miracles in our home, in our family finances. And I'm telling you, God will not disappoint you. Some of you need God to show up big time. I'm telling you, take a step of faith with God and watch Him work. How many would, would say that is the truth? Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Bible says that men will heap into your bosom. Malachi chapter 3 says God will literally open the windows of heaven. I want to close with this. Pastor John Kilpatrick stood here in this pulpit in January and then he called me after he left town and he said, Pastor, God showed me a vision about your church. He said, I've been in hundreds of churches across America. And he said, I've never said this one time. I've never seen this one time. I've never made this declaration in any form or fashion. But he said, God clearly showed me a vision concerning this church. That he was going to open a season to Evangel Temple of supernatural finances that would flow to your people. God would open, he said, the lit two side walls. And I've got it in writing. I said, I want you to put that in writing. Amen. And I've not revealed this till two weeks ago because I've, I've sat on this and said, God, I just don't feel the time. But then the Lord spoke to me. In fact, he called me that week and said, have you ever told your people about what God put in my heart? I said, no. And then I, I felt prompted that maybe that was the time. 
But I believe God's going to do supernatural things through every home and family. And I want you to slip up your hands right now. God is your source, not man. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the ways of the world. I'm telling you, God is your source. And God can do for you. He can give you a change of jobs in a heartbeat. But he's waiting for your step of faith. And some need to make a step of faith this morning concerning making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many will raise your hand and say, Pastor, on this Easter Sunday, I need special prayer. And you'll raise your hand. You'll raise your hand. All over this room, watching by live stream. Yes, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. How many will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I know that I've got spiritual needs and I need to get closer to God on this Easter Sunday. Remember me in prayer. Raise your hand all over this room. Come on, God bless you. Yes, all across this room, hands are going up. Amen. How many will be honest enough on Easter Sunday morning to say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I'm a prodigal. I've been running. And on this Easter Sunday morning, God has my attention. And he's calling me to an old rugged cross. Remember me in prayer. You'll raise your hand because you know you need to make peace with God. Accepting Christ. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I want every person that's raised your hand right now, I want you to come to the front. We're going to pray with you right now. From all over this sanctuary, I want you to move from where you're standing. There's been so many hands that have gone up, and I want you to move from where you're standing. You who need prayer, you're struggling spiritually, you're battling spiritually, you're not saved, you're not born again. You're a prodigal, you've been running from God, or you just, you need prayer in your life to live an overcoming, victorious Christian life. I want to invite you to come right now. Come on, from where, God bless you, God bless you. Come on, let's give them a hand, God bless you. Come on, from up in the balcony. I know those in the balcony have a hard time getting down here because we have these areas, the galleries blocked on the lower end, so you're going to have to go to the lobby and come around. But I want everybody to stretch your hands towards these right now. Father, we pray over every person that has come to the front. Lord, we need you in our lives. We surrender, Jesus. We realize that salvation only comes by your name. And Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the hope in you. Forgive us of our sins. We repent of our sins and we confess Christ. I want every person in this room and watching right now, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone, dear God in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love me more than I ever know and that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of all my sins. And I accept you into my life. And by your help and grace, beginning today, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to begin to live for you in the power of the Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's raise our hands and thank God all across this room. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord.
just tell him how much you want him. Continue to worship. One of the things the Lord impressed upon me on Easter Sunday is we need to pray for the sick. And every person that needs healing in your body, I'm telling you, He's still in the healing business and He wants to do a miracle in your life. If you need healing in your body, I want you to come to the front and let our prayer team pray with you right now. From all across this sanctuary, I want you to come. If you need healing in your body, you make your way because part of the atonement, part of what Christ accomplished, by his stripes ye are healed amen come on you need healing come on god bless you be back tonight at six o'clock for the great production i believe come on let's worship through this song and more we want you more